0: The miracles of Jesus serve as signs of redemption, showing in symbolic form what Jesus is doing spiritually through his life, death, and resurrection. You're listening to Wondrous Deeds, a summer sermon series by the elders of Cornerstone Bible Church. Cornerstone exists to declare and demonstrate Christ in all of life so as to make people complete in him. We are in the middle of a short sermon series right now in the month of August, covering uh, several different miracle accounts in the book of Matthew. And as we look at each miracle account, we are wanting to understand how each one uniquely demonstrates God's power to save sinners from his wrath and into a reconciled relationship with him. And so for this morning, we are going to be looking at the first miracle that Matthew records after his account of the Sermon on the Mount And this is the first miracle uh, you'll see in Matthew chapter 8. So you can turn there. Uh, This is Matthew 8, 1 through 4, where Jesus heals a man with leprosy. So go ahead and turn there, and I'm going to read. This is the word of God. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will... You can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses Moses commanded for a proof to them. Please pray with me. God, thank you that you have given us your word to tell us the truth about who you are and about our standing before you. As we reflect together this morning on this miracle passage that you have given to us in your word, I ask that you would impress upon us the the depths of your mercy and grace and love that you've shown in your saving of sinners and in in the way that you are building your church. Cause us to have open minds, soft hearts, and ready hands and feet to obey you and to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'd like to work our way through this short passage uh, by observing that there are essentially three uh, distinct moments that make up this miracle account. The first moment is when we see uh, the leper approaching Jesus, and this is in verses one and two. The second moment is when Jesus heals the leper. This is in verse three. And then um, in verse four, the third moment of this account is when Jesus commands the leper to go to the priest. So each of these distinct moments in Matthew's miracle account Is full of deep meaning that points us to consider the gospel and exhorts us to put our faith in Jesus Christ for forgiveness from our sin. So now I'm just going to, this morning I'm just going to go through each of these three moments in turn. So let's begin by first looking at uh, this, the first moment at verses one and two. In these verses, we see Jesus coming down from the Mount of Olives when a leper approaches Jesus and asks to be healed of leprosy. For a leper to approach anyone like this would have been completely unheard of. And in order to understand that, the significance of this leper approaching Jesus and how crazy that would have been, uh, we really need to turn to the Old Testament law and spend a bit of time there. So in the fifth book of the Old Testament, Leviticus, God provided laws to Israel regarding how to identify and deal with leprosy. The primary Levitical laws dealing with these issues surrounding leprosy are laid out in Leviticus 13 and 14. If you were to study these passages, you would see that they actually kind of map out a sort of flowchart of instructions to the priests on, on how to deal with and how to identify leprosy. There's... There's lots of if-then statements in there. There's uh, things like, if the person has these symptoms, then you do this kind of thing and so forth. And when we look in in these laws, we see that the leprous conditions um, described in Leviticus 13 and 14, they have a broad range of symptoms. We see raw skin, swelling, changing hair color, reddish-white spots, and boils. These are all symptoms that Israel is, is warned to watch out for. The term leprosy in the Levitical law, uh, it, it really likely covered multiple types of skin diseases and conditions. It likely included not only contagious diseases but perhaps also some types of autoimmune conditions as well. It included chronic and incurable skin conditions, but it also included conditions that would sometimes heal and go away over time. You may have heard of a disease known in our modern times called Hansen's disease, and, and that is now considered to be synonymous with leprosy. And that disease is a neurological condition that can result in some of the symptoms mentioned in Leviticus 13 and 14, but in the, the Levitical law, more conditions than just Hansen's disease were accounted for. And interestingly, in, in these laws, we also noticed that garments and houses are also included in the discussion on leprous conditions. It, it's, so it's likely that uh, the, these descriptions for leprous garments and leprous houses were describing perhaps moldy or mildewy conditions. And so the discussion of, of the broad topic of leprosy, in Leviticus, really covers a broad range of issues and conditions that and of issues and conditions that could arise in the human body, but also in fabrics or in the walls of houses. And no matter if the subject of lepros uh, of lepros concern was a person, a garment or a house, the Levitical law contained similar diagnostic procedures for the priests to follow. These procedures involved observation of the leprous area, seven and 14 day quarantines, determination and also determinations of whether or not the subject was clean or unclean after the quarantines. If a subject was unclean, then it had to go outside the camp. Unclean leprous people had to live outside the camp until they were observed to be clean. Unclean garments had to be burned. Unclean houses had to be torn down and dumped outside the city in designated areas. But if a subject was observed to have been healed and thus designated clean, there were to be ceremonial washings and sacrificial offerings. Later on, we'll be considering more implications of the Levitical law and how it, how it relates to our passage this morning. But for now, I, I just want us to make two takeaways from Leviticus, and thir, thir, from Leviticus 13 and 14. The first takeaway is this. The Levitical laws surrounding the issue of leprosy put forth leprous conditions as a real life metaphor for the effects of sin. So the, the the Levitical laws surrounding the issue of leprosy put forth leprous conditions as a real life metaphor for the effects of sin. Well, how do we know that leprosy is to be seen as a real life metaphor in this way? Well, this is made clear in the Levitical protocol for how to handle both unclean diagnoses and clean diagnoses. In the case of an unclean diagnosis, the leprous person has to obey Leviticus 13:45 and 46, which states, the leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone his dwelling shall be outside the camp. An unclean person lives outside the camp, cut off from access to God through the temple and cut off from fellowship with God's people. God's directions for lepers regarding the torn clothes are actually close to typical uh, Israelite mourning customs that would follow someone's death. And so the leprous person, as as they walked around outside the camp wearing their torn clothes and their loose hair, they were, in a sense, a walking and talking picture of mourning and death. But in the case of a clean diagnosis, the priest is to follow Leviticus 14:19 through 20 which states, The priest shall offer the sin offering to make atonement for him who is to be cleansed from uncleanness, And afterward, he shall kill the burnt offering, and the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. Thus, the priest shall make atonement for him, and he shall be clean. It's very important to note that the Levitical law uses atonement language and sacrificial procedures as part of the process to declare a healed leper as clean. So, what is happening here? As I stated, the Levitical laws surrounding the issue of leprosy put forth leprous conditions as a real-life metaphor for the effects of sin. God's laws for dealing with leprosy show a real-life picture of how our relationship to God is affected by sin. And if you think back to last week's sermon, this is a similar point to what, what John made in discussing the Levitical laws surrounding a woman On her menstrual cycle in Leviticus 15. These laws in in Leviticus, whether you're talking about uh, the chapters I'm talking about, Leviticus 14 and 15, or even Leviticus 15, um, these laws regarding cleanness and uncleanness, they certainly seem strange to our modern ears. Um, But to make full sense of them, we have to look at them in context and do the best we can to apply the ancient Israelite worldview to understand The fullness of their significance. These Levitical laws on all types of ceremonial uncleanness share the same primary purpose, which is to remind the people of Israel, and also us today, that God can only interact with a holy people. He he cannot tolerate sin and uncleanness in his presence. In the case of a leprous man, he has skin that is not working the way it should be. And so he is declared unclean in God's law until the leprous conditions go away. Because his skin is not working properly, his body is considered as lacking completeness or or it's in disalignment with God's design. And so he is a picture of a picture to the nation of Israel of how we are all stained by sin and how we are all lacking completeness, and how we are all out of alignment with God's design. Some have also speculated that uh, the Israelites would have also understood leprous skin conditions to be a tangible reminder of God's curse on Adam in Genesis 3.19. This is because as their leprous skin turns to dust, we are reminded that God made mankind from the dust And one day when we die, our bodies will completely return to the dust from which we were made. So we see in Leviticus 13 and 14 that because of God's holiness, he can only interact with holy people. The leper is not actually in sin, and the law did not intend to communicate that he was. Rather, leprosy leprosy situations were chosen by God to be a real-life symbol to Israel, that illustrates how we all left in left to ourselves and our sin are incomplete, unclean, and lacking wholeness and holiness before God. The leprosy laws also symbolized the truth that we need to be made clean in order to approach God in fellowship and in order to have fellowship with his people. What we see in the Levitical laws regarding leprosy is a picture of our sinful state before God. This is the state we are all born into. We have all deviated from God's design for his creation. Like the leper whose skin is operating in an unhealthy and even deathly way, we don't obey God. And remember how I mentioned that a leprous person was a walking and talking picture of mourning and death? Well, similarly, due to our love for sin, we are all born on the path that leads to spiritual death, which is eternal separation from God, eternally outside God's camp. The leprous person was a picture of who we all are apart from Jesus Christ. We are all spiritually unclean and spiritually dead. And famously in Isaiah 6-5, the prophet Isaiah understood his own total uncleanness as well as the total uncleanness of the entire people of Israel when he declared, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah's declaration of uncleanness is true, not just of the people of ancient Israel, but of all people of all times, including, of course, everyone today. In our sin, we don't follow the commands of God because our spiritually dead hearts don't want to follow God's way of life we don't want to live the way he calls us to and this is even seen in the subtle matters of our hearts such as uh, dishonesty uh, anger lust, bitterness envy, pride and impatience we prefer our own way rather than God's way and we handle our sin with kid gloves we tolerate it and even nurture it helping it to grow and blossom we are unclean before god and no one no one can have fellowship with god in this sinful state like the leper we need to be declared clean by god and and a sacrifice for our atonement is needed the Levitical leprosy laws were a reminder for Israel of these real effects of sin, and they are a reminder for us today. I said I wanted to make two takeaways from the Levitical law. That was the first one. So the second one, uh, we uh, the second te- the second takeaway I want to make is um, is that the law and the priests cannot heal leprosy. They can only identify it. In order to... In order for leprosy to go away, the leper had to depend on God for his timing to provide healing. And, this was, and the same was true for leprous garments and leprous houses. The priests and the law could not actually make the leprous conditions go away. The Israelites just had to wait on God's timing for that to happen. So just as the law aids in identifying leprosy, so also God's word helps us to identify sin in our lives and helps us to understand how to live God's way. And also, just as the law cannot heal leprosy, the law cannot make us righteous before God. The problem of sin affects us all, all the way down to the very nature of who we are. And like the leper, our nature is unclean before God. So to address this problem, we need atonement. We need a redeeming sacrifice in our place to restore us to a right relationship with God. And now you're probably wondering, I thought this was going to be about Matthew 8. Why are we talking about Leviticus so much? And I, I hear you. And, but I think that this is all really important background information to set the stage for what's going on. And because uh, uh, God is the author of all scripture, it is good to pull the lens back and consider parts of the Old Testament to make greater sense of what is happening here in the New Testament. So with this general understanding of the Levitical leprosy laws, let's go back now to our passage in Matthew 8 as we consider verses 1 and 2, some more. We now know why the lepers' actions would have been so surprising. We know that the Israelite people following Jesus would have expected the leprous man, we we know what they would have expected expected the leprous man to do. They would have expected him to keep his distance and to definitely not approach them. They would have expected him to warn them that he was nearby and by calling out, unclean, unclean. But the leprous man he didn't do any of this. And while we don't while we don't have enough detail to know exactly how much this man understood the full messianic identity of Jesus, he clearly knew enough to believe that Jesus was some kind of powerful Jewish prophet and rabbi who had the power to heal him of leprosy. And so in faith, the leper approaches Jesus in verse 2, asking to be healed. And I just want to pause here to consider a few attributes of this man's faith that should both encourage us and exhort us. First, we see that his faith is confident he is confident of Jesus' power to heal. He is uh, is confident to approach Jesus, and rather than calling out and warning Jesus of his uncleanness, he requests to be healed of his leprosy. Second, we see that his faith is submissive. And while he knows that Jesus has the power to heal him of leprosy, he's not demanding or entitled. He submits to the will of Jesus. And third, we see that his faith is humble. He shows respect and honor toward Jesus by kneeling. And he, he does not count himself more significant than Jesus, demanding or expecting anything, but instead he just simply and humbly asks that Jesus heals him. We are to emulate such confident, submissive, and humble faith. Like the leper, we as Christians are to approach our savior Jesus Christ with confidence, submissiveness, and humility. In confidence, we know that Jesus keeps his promises. And so we look to him in faith, knowing we are made clean from sin by his life, death, and resurrection. We are submissive to his commands as we seek to understand and obey his word. We are also submissive to his will in that we, we trust that he will glorify himself with whatever his plans he has for us. And we are also humble, knowing that he owes us nothing, and yet we glorify him be- with our lives because we know that he has gifted us immensely with mercy and replaced us, and, and, and replaced our hearts graciously with hearts of stone and hearts of flesh, or he has replaced our hearts of stone with hearts of flesh. And so, in considering this, these first two verses, this first moment in Matthew's miracle account, um, we see that there is great meaning here and deep application for us just in the first two verses alone. And and we and so we now we now understand how leprosy shows us the reality of our sin before God and our need for atonement, and we also uh, see in the leper's faith an example for us to follow. We now come to Matthew. 8, verse three, which is the, which as I said in the beginning, which is, this is the second moment in Matthew's account for us to consider. Verse three reads, and Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Jesus immediately reaches out and touches the man, declaring the man healed and clean The man's leprous areas on his skin are made healthy right away. In verse 3, Jesus displays compassion in that he he immediately heals the man. He displays his love for sinners through his healing touch of the unclean leprous man. And he displays his great power over the leprous disease. And adding to the significance of this moment is Leviticus chapter five verse three, which, which if you look at that, you'll see that it forbids any person from touching an unclean person. This unclean touching was forbidden in order to be a picture uh, of how the people of Israel were to live holy and righteous lives, not and not stained with any uncleanness or sin. But here Jesus demonstrates that he does not receive uncleanness from the leper in the way that would happen for any other human who, who would touch an unclean person. He is not tainted by the leprous man when he touches him. Jesus demonstrates his powerful holiness by giving the leper cleanness rather than receiving from the leper uncleanness. Jesus demonstrates that he alone has the power to make men clean. Jesus shows that he is unlike any other person who has ever walked the earth. He alone is the one who can do what the law and the priests cannot. The law and the priests could not heal the leper or make him, or make him clean. The leper himself could not heal himself or make himself clean. But Jesus touched him and made him healed and clean. And of course, this is a picture of Christ's redemptive and forgiving work on the cross that would come to bat, that would come to pass a few short years after this miraculous event. And so now let's look at the third and final moment in our passage this morning, verse four. You will see in verse four that Jesus commands the cleansed man to not spread word of his miraculous healing, but to go straight to the priests in Jerusalem and obey the Levitical law. Jesus says to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded, for a proof to them. Jesus is referencing the specific procedures in Leviticus 14 that describe how to declare a person clean after they have healed from leprosy. And I'm not going to read all of Leviticus 14, but I do want to focus on the conclusion of these laws, which is a passage I, I actually already read a little bit ago, but I'm going to read it again. This is Leviticus 14, 19 through 20. The priest shall offer the sin offering to make atonement for him who is to be cleansed from his uncleanness. And afterward, he shall kill the burnt offering and the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. Thus the priest shall make atonement for him, and he shall be clean. This priestly sacrificial offering is the final act any cleansed leper must do to re-enter life among the people of Israel within the camp and regain access to God through his temple. Interestingly, God, God's law calls this process an atonement. And like we've talked about before already this morning, this is reminding us that while leprosy is not a sin, it is intended to be a l- real-life metaphor for how our sinful nature requires atonement through, uh, through, through bloody, uh, in the Old Testament law, it's through bloody animal sacrifice made on our behalf to make us right with God. And by commanding the leper to obey this law, Jesus communicates deeper truths about God's plan for his people and about himself. And first, so, first, here in verse 4, we see that Jesus underscores the importance of the leper to rejoin Israel in community. And second, in verse 4, we see that he demonstrates proof of his messianic purpose to the priests. So, let's consider both of those. Uh, first, how do we see that Jesus underscores the importance of the leper to rejoin Israel and community? Well, we see that Jesus is calling to rejoin the leper or what Jesus is calling the leper to rejoin Israel, uh, in that the Levitical law mandates that lepers live alone until they are observed to be healed by a priest. And then after the priest observes them healed, um, the 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 priest declares them clean, and they return to life within the camp, within the city of Jerusalem. But he but he need, but the leper needs a priest to observe this newfound his newfound leprosy free condition, and and an and an animal sacrifice has to be made. This is the only way for a for a, an, a leprous man who has been healed to reunite with the people of Israel in the Levitical system. And so, having healed the man, Jesus then commands this this man to complete the process of reunification into God's people by going to the priest and obeying the Levitical law. And and this picture of a leprous man who once lived ostracized and outside the camp, who is now clean and joining with the people of Israel, shows it shows actually how the Levitical law for Israel is also, is, is, in a, is in a sense, a precursor for baptism and church membership today. And what I mean by that is, it has always been, whether we're talking about what we see in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, it has always been important to God for his people to live in community with one another, serving one another, worshiping God together. So when Jesus commands the leper to re-enter life, with the people of Israel, he is reaffirming this principle. Just as it is right for this healed man to move back inside the camp with Israel, it is also right that all Christians are intentionally affirmed as a member of a local church. And this is part of what righteous living looks like as a Christian. There are really quite a few connections um, between how a leper a healed leper is brought into the nation of Israel in how, the, in how the church practices baptism and church membership. So for example, the leper demonstrates to the priest that he's been healed. The leper is symbolically brought from uncleanness to cleanness. And similarly, a new Christian submits to baptism at a local church. The new believer proclaims their faith in Christ and their repentance from sin. The new believer is being brought from darkness to light. Also, the priest observes the leper to ensure that he's actually healed. Similarly, the church, doing the baptizing, adequately gets to know the new believer ahead of the baptism to to ensure that they're making a credible profession of faith. Also, once the priest observes the leper is really healed, he is declared clean and restored to life within the Israelite community through the atoning sacrificial offering. And similarly, through baptism, the new believer is brought into membership and community within the local church body by professing, by professing trust in, in the once-for-all sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Just as a leper being healed is analogous to a Christian's baptism and joining with a church in membership, so it is also true, this is kind of the other side of the coin, so it is also true that when a person is diagnosed with leprosy and moves outside the camp, this is also analogous to a Christian whose unrepentant sin leads him to be removed from the church membership. In all this, we should be encouraged because as the healing of the leper points us to the joy of seeing a person come to faith in Jesus Christ, we are reminded of the greater reality that Jesus Christ will build his church through his atoning work on the cross. And as people turn from their sin, and turn in faith to Jesus for forgiveness, they are, re- they are baptized and added to the church. And as history unfolds, even to this present day, 2,000 years later, Jesus Christ is continuing to build his church. So I mentioned there were two, two things in verse four that I wanted to talk about. The first one was, um, w- uh, the first one was was the was how Jesus was underscoring the importance of the of the leper to rejoin Israel in community and now the second is how Jesus is demonstrating proof of his messianic purpose to the priests. And so by commanding that the healed leper goes to the priests, Jesus is not only encouraging the man to reenter life with Israel, but he's also foreshadowing his own purpose in coming to earth. When the healed leper from Matthew 8 went to the priest, I think we, we can possibly anticipate how that would have gone. The leper would have demonstrated to the priest that Jesus had miraculously healed him. The priest, upon observation of the man's skin, would have, w- would have had to recognize that this was so. And so the priest then would, would, offer, would offer up the required sacrifice and declared the man clean the priest would have also recognized that this miracle uh, this this miracle before him this healed man is proof that the messiah had indeed come and this is why jesus says in verse 4 show yourself clean for a proof to them by touching this leper and making him clean jesus foreshadows his power and purpose to to do more than miraculously heal skin diseases. He has come to provide complete forgiveness from sin. Jesus demonstrates that he is the divine savior and the great high priest who doesn't merely observe whether or not a leper is clean. He goes beyond the, the, the capability of the law and the priests, and he actually makes lepers clean. And more than that, he makes sinners clean. As Hebrews 5 9 through 10 says, And being made perfect, Jesus became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest. When Jesus died on the cross, Jesus fulfilled his messianic purpose as the once for all atoning sacrifice to offer salvation to the world. And when Jesus died on the cross, he did so outside the camp. He bore the cross outside Jerusalem. He went outside the camp just like the unclean lepers. The clear connection is that though Jesus is perfectly righteous, he willingly suffered as an unclean sinner so that he could die in our place. He identified as unclean, as an unclean leper, as an unrighteous sinner, so that we could receive his righteousness he identified as unclean so we so we can receive uh, his righteousness as he suffers in god's punishment for our sin in our place so jesus heals the leper in matthew 8 to demonstrate to the priests in jerusalem that he is the great high priest who has arrived to make full atonement for the sins of his people dying for them and rising from the dead in their place this news of the coming of the Messiah should have been great cause of great joy to the priests, but sadly and ironically, these men would one day join the ranks of those who would persecute Jesus and have him put on the cross. As I, as I wrap up this morning, I just want to review everything we've covered. In studying Matthew's miracle account, we have, co- we have covered a lot of ground. We've, we've seen that the, that leprosy is a metaphor for the effects of sin in our lives and how sin separates us from God. We've also seen that the law cannot heal leprosy and it cannot make a person righteous. We have seen that the only way out of our problem before God is to have a substitutionary atonement in our place so that we can be forgiven of our sin. And this is the work that Jesus came to do as he foreshadowed in his, mor- in his miraculous Healing of the man with leprosy. So let me conclude with some final thoughts by reading 1 John 1 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The ultimate cleansing that we all need is not from leprosy, but from unrighteousness. And we and we know the only hope we have for such a cleansing we find it in Jesus Christ. We look to him in trusting faith. Confess your sins to him and he will save you and forgive you and restore you to a right relationship with him. Let's pray together. God, I do ask that as we think about these things, um, that we would um, confess our sins to you and rejoice knowing that that our sins are forgiven and that Jesus, as he gave us a, the, a powerful picture in Matthew eight of, of healing a leper. We know that, uh, that you have done something even far greater, which is you have, you have provided a way for us to be saved from our sin and brought, uh, to be restored to you and brought into the camp with your people. And we, so we, we rejoice that these things are true and, um, and, we, and I, I pray for that for those here that, that don't believe these things, that they would wrestle with them and, and come to a knowledge of, and, and a, a faith in Jesus Christ. and um, So we thank you for your word. Thank you for all the truths that it demonstrates. Thank you for its depth and for its beauty. And um, thank you that you have given us your word so we may know the truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For further sermons and more information on Cornerstone Bible Church, please visit cbcvirginia.com.